There we go. Welcome. <laughs> Once again, we're happy you're here as we continue on in uh, our study of the New Testament. We're working through it a chapter at a time, and we are uh, beginning now the book of Acts. We just finished up Luke um, two years in. Uh, we started two years ago doing this a chapter at a time, and I told you that it will take us five years to finish the New Testament and then 15 years after that to finish the Old Testament, and I expect to see you all here every week. <laughs> um, some of you have been here for a lot of the two years, so that's good. We, um, we looked at uh, Matthew and then Mark, and then we skipped ahead to John so that we could do Luke and Acts together, and we just finished up Luke before the end of the year, and um, we did that on purpose. Because Luke and Acts were written by Luke. And they were written to Theophilus, which means lover of God. So you guys are getting this now. Um, primarily with sort of uh, the book of Luke, particularly was written to Gentiles, more or less. And uh, so I had the emphasis on that. And what Luke does now, and remember Luke was a historian. He, he dug deep for the facts. He got around eyewitnesses and um, recorded the events from them. And he, he dug back all the way into uh, the ministry of Jesus, you know, from early on, tied it in prophetically to lots of Scripture. And then uh, now, as he continues on in his writing, he is um, recording the acts of the early church. Um, and I said to you a few weeks ago in sort of a, an overview way, while we are no longer adding to Scripture because it's closed, uh, the book of Acts is, still continues in us. And, and you are still part of the Acts of the early church. Um, we're not as early as they were, but we're still doing the same thing that they did. And I always think it's, I mean, I don't know if you ever put it in that context, but... Um, you are carrying on the ministry of Christ, passed on and passed on and passed on and passed on through the church. And it's, uh, uh, you know, all under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But you need to think of it that way. Remember, if you were here on the weekend, I, I made this point, and I'll bring it up again. You'll hear it a lot, that, that we are part of his story, history, his story. And... You know, I made the point on Sunday, having read some C.S. Lewis, that, that I've sort of defined that a little bit, that, that he's the noun of the story and we're all adjectives. But that's good, because a good story needs adjectives, lots of them. And our lives describe the noun. And that our struggles come when we try and be nouns, because we weren't created to be nouns, we were created to be adjectives. But once we figure that out, life starts to work a little smoother. But you are an, an adjective in, in his story, and... The book of Acts is a, a, a compilation of the, of the stories of the early church. And it's fascinating to watch what happens and to see the impact over time. In, in the 25 years or so that uh, the book of Acts kind of covers, the church explodes. Uh, particularly in Jerusalem, um, the church goes from this 120 that we'll read about today. And we know there was more than 120 um, because it says in First uh, Corinthians that uh, that Jesus appeared to 500 others, so there was more than that. But but in 25 year period, to about 200,000 people, 
uh, like half the population in the city, which is cool. And, and you know, I've, I've said before, I'm, I'd like to see that happen in the Keys. Wouldn't it be cool if we could get half? The, I mean, I'd like to see it all happen, but let's shoot for half. <laughs> and I, I commented to someone the other day, um, it's already very difficult for me, and I'm sure you see this too, not difficult, it's a good thing, to be anywhere without seeing someone from the vineyard. Uh, have you noticed? Um, maybe we all hang out at the same spot, I don't know. But, but uh, uh, everywhere I go, up and down, I see, I see folks from uh, the vineyard. And not that it's just us, because I don't know who's going to the other churches, and that's cool, they're doing their, their thing and, and bless them. But, but I mean, that's a, that's a neat thing, that's, that's the story taking place, that, that the church is having an impact at whatever level in, in an area, and our prayer, constant prayer is it has a significant impact, um, to, to, just like it did in the book of Acts. And, and of course, you know, the church is going to look different now. People always talk about going back to a New Testament church and, and, and whatever that means to them. Um, but but we're, we're, as long as you're doing this thing, living for Jesus, trying to do the next right thing, Realize you're not a noun, you're an adjective, and you want to be a part of his story. The Spirit of God takes care of the rest. And he's just looking for people that will get, in, get into the story the way that they're, they're called to. Because we have a choice. Um, there's a place for us in the story, but we have a choice. We can choose to not get it. So, as you, as you look through the book of Acts... Um, I, I want you to have that concept in mind. And I also, and we'll touch on this after we've read it, um, that, that post-resurrection, Jesus spends <clears throat> 40 days or so talking to his disciples. And he talks primarily about the kingdom of God. So after we read the chapter, I want to touch on what that means again. Because that was his emphasis in that period of time that he had before uh, he ascends. Okay, so Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 through 26, not a real long book. And it goes like this. In my former book, Theophilus, who he's writing to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. You know what he was eating? Fish sandwich. Very good. You've been listening. That's just conjecture on my part. Um, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. 
When they arrived, which means it wasn't a very long walk. They weren't allowed to walk very far, half a mile. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew. James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Kind of graphic. (laughs) Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. Sometimes, if you read the Gospel account, because... We, he hanged himself. If you wonder how all this came together, because you know, how, if he hanged himself, how did he get time to go out and buy a field with the money? He tried to give it back. Um, apparently, what happened is the um, the uh, this is what they think happened. When he hung himself, afterwards the rope broke and he fell and burst. And the Pharisees took the money and bought that field uh, for that thirty things, whatever they did. And that's how all that sort of comes together. There you go. For, said Peter, is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's Baptist to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. They, then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So, some interesting stuff happens. As we discussed, it was written to Theophilus, lover of God, and we just like with Luke, we believe Theophilus was a person and, and uh, uh, that he existed and maybe was some sort of benefactor to Luke, uh, helping him do all this stuff and uh, encouraging him to go and do it. But nonetheless, his name means lover of God, so the books are written to all those who love God, which makes the us. Um, Luke chronicled, the, in, in Luke 1 through 2, we see that he chronicled the ministry of Jesus um, while he was here in in flesh and in bodily form, Acts then chronicles the actions of the early church as Jesus continues to minister through us now. And that's sort of the first couple of opening verses there in Luke. Then uh, in verses 3 through 8, it says that Jesus gave many proofs during this post-resurrection period that he had indeed risen from the dead. And um, the people that were there, they touched him, they saw him, they heard him, and these were eyewitnesses to the fact that he uh, had indeed resurrected. And that's an important point to note, because a lot of people want to dismiss that part. And if there's no resurrection, we all have big problems. And yet, there's a lot of witnesses to this action historically, all right? Um, Hundreds of witnesses to the resurrection. And uh, the, the, 
he spent, it says, this 40-day period um, after the resurrection and before the ascension, uh, teaching his disciples primarily about the kingdom of God. And it's important to remember that concept as we dig into the book of Acts, what the kingdom of God is. And that we, we need to be careful that we, uh, we don't slip into the thoughts of a... Because um, a lot of times when you hear kingdom, you think of a geographical location. Because we have, you know, the kingdoms that remain, you know, we have Great Britain as a kingdom, and, uh, you know, Jordan is a kingdom. Um, but in the Bible, it's not talking about a specific geographical sort of area. The kingdom of God is, is his authority. It's his rule and his reign. And that, that, that's always what the kingdom of God means. And, and, and so, uh, Jesus is tying together for his disciples the prophetic threads of the kingdom of God and, and how it has to all come into being. And questions that the apostles ask, like, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom, is a, is a proof of this whole concept. Remember, they're looking, the, the, the disciples and Israel was looking for a Messiah who would set up a political kingdom to overthrow their Roman oppressors. But there was a whole other prophetic stream of thought about one that would come to redeem the people from their sin, and that's what Jesus came to do. And so he's teaching them about the kingdom, that, that the kingdom of God, as we understand it, um, is inaugurated in Christ uh, when he comes the first time. And it's consummated, it's brought to its completion when he comes back the next time. What they were actually looking for happens when Jesus returns. And so this in-between time, you'll hear me call and reference all the time the now and the not yet. We live in the now and the not yet. We live in the in-between times. The kingdom is here because Jesus inaugurated, but it's not fully here until he comes back. And so we're, we're in this tension. When he comes back, everything gets set right. That everything gets taken care of. The enemy gets dealt with once and for all. Everything is, is, is brought back to its original um, intent. Uh, a perfect world under the rulership of, of God. And all, all the people who love God will be there. And there's no more pain. And there's no more death. And there's no more sorrow. All the great promises of Revelation all fulfilled. But, but now, we, we, the kingdom is here. The Bible teaches it. He brought it um, when he came, but not fully here. And um, you'll, you'll hear me say things like, it's, we have a taste of the kingdom. Um, and it's, the way I always think of this is, um, um, it's like a, a big Thanksgiving dinner. And, and it's great if you, if you can have the whole dinner. But if you can't have a whole dinner, at least if you get a taste of the crunchy part of the turkey, <laughs> it's, it's a taste. It's a good thing. You know what I mean? It's like, that's good. It's a, it's a taste of all that's happening. See, we, we, we're uh, in the spirit of God. We're, we're, off, we're, we're allowed a taste of the kingdom. And, and you've heard me teach about um, uh, that in the kingdom, we, what we're always asking for when we pray, and even in that simple prayer, the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. I've told you that a very reasonable way to read that is give us today the bread of tomorrow. That, that we to go and, and, and in, in faith, we say, God, you know, you're going to do all these things when you come back. You're going to touch people, heal people. Everything's going to be changed. In faith, we ask you to do it now because the kingdom is here in part, just not fully here. And so we have, we're taught to, to pray and, and in faith borrow from what's coming 
And, and the kingdom of God is here, and it, it pops in in all sorts of ways and times, just not fully here. That's why it doesn't always go the way we'd like it to. It's not fully here yet. It's coming. It's not fully here. And it's growing. It's not fully here. So, um, th- this is the concepts of the kingdom, tying in all these prophetic streams of thoughts and trying to get his disciples to finally get it. Because they're, they're so ready for this political kingdom to overthrow Rome. that Because he doesn't tell them it's not coming. He, oh, it's coming. You just don't know when it's coming. But it's coming. But until then, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. And you'll be my witnesses here and all over the rest of the world. And that's where we're at today. We're, we're, we're his witnesses. We receive power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. To live out this life, spreading the good news of the kingdom. In, in verses 9 through 11... Um, those verses talk about the Lord's ascension, but they also point to his return, which is, I said, what we're waiting on. That's what we're waiting for. And, you know, we're to live in that tension that he could, he's coming back. could be any moment. could happen right now. Let's see. No. So, but you looked. That's good. <laughs> that's expectancy, see? And we're supposed to live like that, and yet at the same time, living like it might be generations. In this context, now and not yet. In between times. It's a, it's a, but it keeps us, see, we're supposed to be ready. Because he could come back any day, any, any time. And so you always need to have that in your mind when it happens. And so the ascension then um, marks officially the conclusion of uh, Jesus' bodily ministry on, uh, in, uh, on earth. You know, and uh, he's now exalted at the right hand of the Father. And his, he continues his work in the hands of the disciples. That's us. I don't know if you ever... Again, I told you, you're part of his story. Do you get that you're, he's continuing his work through you? If you really think about it, it's, it's mind-boggling. That the creator of the universe is continuing his work on earth through you. As, as imperfect and as flawed as we are, and as often as we miss it, that's his plan. And so far, it's, it's been working pretty good. It's fascinating, because it ain't us. We're just adjectives. It's all on the big noun. Okay, and then in these last verses, <clears throat> 15 through 26... The disciples, are, they're told to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then they're going to go and do the thing. Um, they decide that they need to replace Judas. And uh, Peter, Peter is the obvious leader of the group. He, after all that struggle and fighting and infighting, it's Peter that stands up and, and takes over, and he's got a great grasp of Scripture. You can see right away that uh, he was a fisherman who knew his Bible. And uh, he... He, he prophetically speaks of this whole event taking place. He gets what's happened and that um, they were uh, prophesied to be 12 and that they need to restore the number to 12. And there's 120 people at the time. Like I said, though, scripturally, there was, there was more followers. Sometimes we start thinking it got down to 120. It got down to a pretty small group. But um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, it says, it's, I'll read you the whole thing because I, I didn't put it in your notes. For what I received, this is Paul, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. 
That's how Paul described himself. Okay. So, so he, to the brothers, there's 500 brothers at least. So there's, there's more than 120, but it's still a pretty small group. These are all the people that Jesus has appeared to, uh, appeared to post-resurrection. And uh, another thing I think is important to note about the two guys that they select, um, Joseph and Matthias, that, that the um, qualifications included that they have to be witnesses to the resurrection. Because that's a huge point. And, and that was a qualification for replacing Judas. And, and so these two men are brought forward, and then um, they, they're chosen by lot. Um, they used to draw lots. Uh, they would take stones and write the names on them and put them in something they could shake it with, and the first one out, you won. Sort of like, uh, what's that game that we play with the dice? Throw them out? I don't know, backgammon, something, any, anything. Um, and, and Matthias was chosen by Lot. In Proverbs, it says in 1633, if you wonder why, the Lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So they put a lot of emphasis in the, the lots at that time. Um, we don't use lots anymore. We're very spiritual now. We just toss a coin. And uh, no, <laughs> that's how we do it. I don't know how you do it. We got big decisions. Where's the coin? <laughs> that is the last recorded use of the drawing of lots in the Bible. I don't know if they ever stopped. But you know what happens next is that the Holy Spirit comes and he's their comforter and their guide and their teacher. Guess who they rely on from this point forward? They pray and wait for the leading of the Spirit to make decisions like that so the lots are over. Well, it hadn't come yet. So that's why the, the lot was um, used at that point. So now we're to listen for the Holy Spirit. And you'll see in future decisions that the church has to make, the early church, that's what they do. They pray and look for the leading of the Holy Spirit. They don't cast lots anymore. Um, there's been some discussion among different people that um, Matthias shouldn't have been picked, that, that God had Paul in mind for number 12. But there's no real censure of it in Scripture, so uh, even though you don't really know what Matthias did, it could have very easily been God. And Paul's calling was really a different calling because he was called to you know, primarily the Gentiles. So uh, you'll hear some people you know, sometimes just throw that in, that they might not have been what they were supposed to do. I wouldn't argue that either way. Uh, they did it, and I don't see them getting rebuked for it or anything. Uh, and Paul certainly filled his position nicely as the Lord led him into it, so that was all good. And that's kind of a, the setup for the book of Acts. Um, we come back next week, we'll hit Acts chapter 2, and all sorts of stuff starts happening in Acts chapter 2. And uh, it'll be fun to look at uh, together and see what's happening. So I'm done with the video portion. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. If you need anything, you can call us, write us. Hello, everybody in Williston. God bless you guys. And uh, hopefully somebody's up there to turn this video off. They are good. And uh, I will go ahead and do prayer requests here. If you have prayer requests, please pass them up to me, and I will pray for them. And then we will call it an evening.